Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another episode on 24, the TV show, not the number. We've not just decided to go over our favourite numbers and talk about why we love the number 24 <laughs> because it's the number two and it's the number four together. Therefore, it makes a pretty good number in 24. No, we're talking we about... We got great feedback from last year's coverage on 23. <laughs> I know. And wait till you hear our surprise reveal of about 25 you will be blown <laughs> away uh we are up to the sixth episode of season one called 5 a.m to 6 a.m first aired on december 18th 2001 it was written by howard gordon directed by brian spicer uh, i believe mm. he was one of the spice girls but uh, spicy spicy spicer potentially um so good for him being spicy and it's a it's a decent episode we get some conclusions we finally get that big twist that i've been hanging on to for all bloody say oh it's the next episode it's yeah. the next episode it finally happens in this episode but uh plenty to talk about as always my name is ben and leave the shovel unless you plan to use it on me <laughs> and i don't have a line hold on i forgot we do this <laughs> uh you forgot we do this we haven't been doing this for how many years oh yeah uh, that's all right. we do I've I've got I've got nothing else. Uh, I am Alan York. <laughs> Sorry, could you say that again, Nina? Alan. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> um, we're getting into some meat and veggies of this series right now. Um, the twists keep on twisting, and uh, yeah, this is a decent episode. I feel that uh, you know we, we've. Uh, we've just discovered that some of these episodes maybe don't kind of hook you in straight away. It's not classic 24, but uh, I think if you were to get a, a bingo game of 24 going, this episode kind of ticks all the boxes. You'd be getting bingo at the end of this episode. You've got a couple of plot twists. You've got Tony still being a little bitch. Uh, you, you get evil Sherry for the first time, which is exciting. We meet Mike. There's no Keith. There's no Nicole. <laughs> That's a positive. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a solid episode. Yeah, I actually really like this episode, and I don't think I should because the easiest way to sum up what this episode is is Kim digs a hole and Jack walks around a hospital. Like This is one of those filler episodes that has so much to it, and it's not just the twist on the end, um, which, oh, where are we excited to talk about that? Oh. Richard Berge, oh, star man. Woman. <laughs> But uh, everything in this episode, there's just tension. I think maybe part of it, because I don't remember this as being like the big episode. You've been saying you're te teasing all season. Oh, the, the big moment that you're excited to talk about is coming. And for me, I keep saying that the episode that really hooked me with the show is coming and coming. Uh, this isn't the one that really hooked me. 
but I think knowing what we're going to be getting next and knowing how this is kind of the key episode that this sets everything in motion that's going to happen in the next two or three episodes, it makes it so much more exciting to watch on a rewatch, probably more so than it was in the original. Plus, we get the introduction of, you know, two characters. I mean, one fan favorite character that started as a guest role and would last for years and the other one's Milo. So um, <laughs> we, we get some, some classic characters introduced here. Uh, also, uh, you know, as far as Jack goes, you know, we, we get a, a great Jack goes a little too far moment. Uh, <laughs> tackling just a random citizen in the middle and of a hospital. completely forgiven within three seconds because he's exactly yeah 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 exactly it has all the right things and it actually made me appreciate the keith story i think this is the first time where i'm appreciating the keith story we're going to be disappointed in a couple weeks where it becomes irrelevant but i appreciated it here i i think yeah i think everything you say there is right and i think that you know really yeah we're going to have some filler but i think even the filler for the rest of this season is just on a point where you've got enough around the filler that it's still entertaining and like you're right this is kind of kim digs a hole jack in a hospital first of all can we just point out and to for ben to play the equal opportunist perv card kiva sutherland looks amazing walking around a hospital and kim in that top digging a hole i'm yeah. very appreciative that i was 14 when i watched this show for the very first time yeah uh, yeah, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> J- Jamie caught me. Uh, I I don't think I was doing anything what, different. <laughs> Get out, Jamie! <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> uh, so that's what happens like... when I do that with that at that point in time. Oh, I understand now. <laughs> I, I think I've said before I'm not the biggest Alicia Cuthbert fan, but uh, I must have shown some type of reaction at one point um, because Jamie was like. What's wrong, Colin? What's wrong? And, and I started like trying to explain myself, and I'm not nothing. And she's like, "You're having a stroke or something?" Because I'm like stumbling all over my words. So, yeah, this this might be uh, a good episode for her digging and, a hole that we found. We found her niche. And in breaking news, Colin and Jamie are expecting another child based after watching this episode. <laughs> so, congratulations, Colin! <laughs> Round of I'm applause. So happy. Is it triplets this time? Um, oh, let's hope not. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you mentioned like the key storyline because. Yeah, like, let's be honest, we've mentioned plenty of times, key storyline, you don't need to care about it. But I think at the end of the day, I think you might have mentioned in one of the first episodes, like, you could maybe get away with introducing Palmer, like, now, just before the breakfast or something like that. But I don't necessarily think it works. I think Palmer's important enough, you need to introduce him in the first episode, right? And what is Palmer going to be doing between midnight and 6am? I think this is kind of maybe where it's a little bit realistic. Like we're here bagging out the time, like, oh, they drive here so quickly. And there's definitely things in this episode where, again, it's a case of, oh, look how quickly the sun rises in Los Angeles. I didn't realise you can click your fingers and there's the sun is up. Um, but, like, what else could they have done with Palmer? Like just have him and Sherry fucking for... I mean, I would have watched that, let's be honest. But, uh, I mean, outside of that, you know, you need to have some sort of drama with Palmer. Drama with Palmer. Wait. This week's Palmer watching drama. The tube, watching the tube isn't enough? Watching the tube. Just cutting back to the Palmer drama with Keith and David watching. <laughs> this week on Palmer drama. Palmer drama starring the Palmers. But, um... Sherry no, takes a shower, wears a bathrobe. <laughs> But, like, I mean, this episode, like, you kind of get a bit of layered with the Palmer drama. <laughs> Palmer drama. Palmer drama. How has that never been uttered before in, like, 20 years of 24? Um, 
So, like, you kind of understand, you, you meet Mike for the first time, Carl basically becomes enemy number one, and you get this great little dangle of a carrot of, ooh, Sherry, she's not, mm. and, like, let's say this without spoiling the rest of, this is kind of Sherry from now on, like, yep. what's she up to? All that dastly Sherry, and <laughs> that's what is so amazing about Sherry. That is what she's arguably in my top five favourite characters in the history of 24. I absolutely love this woman to death. Um, so it's kind of interesting and yeah, Kim digs a hole. Great. But like we get some good gain stuff. Like I kind of like gains in this and you know, there, there's some definite questionable moments with Jack in this episode and just his reactions to kind of when he gets his phone call, um, which is kind of odd when you kind of are watching this and you know what's happening. But, um, yeah, this is, a, you know, it's not going to be the number one episode of all time, but it's still an enjoyable episode so enjoyable Colin that you and I may have watched it twice since we last recorded may have and we decided to talk about it so um (laughs) this one was so good we just couldn't wait uh I'm gonna agree with you in part on the Palmer Palmer drama Palmer drama (laughs) (laughs) uh that's what anytime Palmer has a side story we're gonna get a lot of this in season three Palmer drama Palmer Uh, drama that does not matter to the rest of the show Yeah. Oh, great. From Winnipeg. I can't yeah. wait to talk about Wendy Palmer Cruson. drama starring Wendy Cruson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I still hold to the fact that it would have been an interesting experiment to introduce Palmer in episode eight. Um, introduce him right at the, the, the conference or the breakfast or whatever, you know, the, the big episode, the assassination attempt to uh, you know, leave him as a character. They talk about assassinating, but you don't see him until the attempt is made. That would just be a really interesting way to rewatch this show, to re-edit it. But I, I do think it does add something. I'm not going to say that it's hundred percent necessary. I still think that I would prefer to just do away with this and have a big reveal for him. But it sets up Sherry in such a good way that I see why they had to go with this. I don't think we needed Palmer drama, uh, David Palmer drama. We needed Sherry Palmer drama, though. And uh, the, the Sherry Palmer drama is in full swing here. <laughs> it's about to get better. Look, I, I think I maybe mentioned this back when you mentioned it. Like, I, I definitely could see it working. But I think also the thing is um, when you get someone like Dennis Haysbert on board, um, mm-hmm. you want to use him. Um, also... You know, we talk about cast diversity. I mean, kind of, if we don't have Palmer in these opening episodes, <laughs> you're just in Whiteville, USA. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because like yeah, they had no power to cast a black actor in any of these roles. <laughs> no, they didn't. It was 2001, Colin. Come on. <laughs> you think we we're racist cool now. <laughs> Remember those dark racist days we lived in in 2001? You know, it was terrible, right? You got in a bus, they were sitting up the back, they couldn't vote. Um, like, you know, it was just yeah. terrible. It was just the dark days, literally. Um, so, yeah, like, I, like it, it would have been interesting. I definitely think it could have been something. But I'm, I'm glad, like, I, I, despite the, the Palmer drama crap. But Palmer, can we, can <laughs> we please make a thing. T-shirt that's of Palmer a, drama? That's going to be our first T-shirt. Dennis Haysbert's face, Palmer drama. Sherry's face, Palmer drama. We would make a Keith one, but we don't know if anybody would buy it. But we'll make it anyways. Keith, Palmer drama. Palmer drama. Sounds like a, um, I don't know, like a, a sitcom mixed with a, a type of like food you would get at Wendy's. Or can I have the Parma Drama Burger, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I've only had Wendy's good once. Good food. And I felt like- yeah, good food to watch in front of the tube. 
Yeah, I, I like I, I think it was Wendy's and I was like, oh, that looks good. And they had these ones where you got like a two stack meat patty, three stack, four stack. And I was like, oh, I'll get the four stack one. Took like one bite of it. And I'm like the complete opposite of a vegetarian. I'm like a meatitarian full circle. But like I took a bite of this and I'm like, fuck, that's too much meat. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Like even Jamie, a man who, a woman, <laughs> could be a man, I don't know. she loves her meat, a man meat. Even she would have been like, no, no, too much, too much meat. Um, so the Palmer drama burger is all meats. The buns are <laughs> Oh, well, Dennis Haysbert, look at those buns on that man. <laughs> I would, I would plow my nose into that man's buns. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that, that is a, that is a handy pile of firm bun meat right there. Um, That's Palmer drama. Palmer drama. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Um, so speaking of drama, we've got Janet drama. Janet's dying, Colin. No, not Janet. Anyone but Janet, please. No, don't take her away from us. Um, I, the thing I love about this whole Janet, I love everything about this Janet storyline. The poor girl, like again, <laughs> I swear no one in this entire series history gets beaten around like Janet does. Even Jack, like, and he literally dies and comes back to life. Spoiler alert! But I mean, Janet's gonna die in this episode. Um, but like, we've we've had her like run over, shot up with heroin, um, take <laughs> her arm. take Dan's giant dong, um, being high <laughs> on that. Left in the street for dead. Uh, basically have creepy old homeless people wanting to, like, fill her up. Then she gets taken to hospital where she's, I thought, pronounced dead. But then she's, okay, she will recover. Only to now be back into cardiac arrest. And essentially, it's 2001. All we know about medical shows is stat, amp of epi. We're losing her. Like, I watched ER for 15 seasons. And I know those terms because that's all they use in that show too. We just don't have George Clooney going stat in this to make it, you know. And where was George Clooney in 2001? He should have been here. I wanted Noah Wiley, Anthony Edwards, Juliana Margulies. I wanted the gang in here. You know, Goran Vizniewicz. He was making Ocean's Eleven. We could have had Brad Pitt in here, Matt Damon, Don oh. Cheadle. But what about Goran Viznich, Colin? There's a name. Ooh, that you... what, what, excuse you, what? Do, do you know who that is? <laughs> he played Luca in ER? Yeah, he was, he, he was the reason I stopped watching the show because one episode oh. in, I'm like, he is no George Clooney, not my Clooney. Okay. Stop trying to make him Clooney. I agree with that. He's no George Clooney. But if you were to have a list of replacements to George Clooney, he's in the top billing. Like, he's a pretty attractive Croatian man. Name me another attractive Croatian man. Um, give me a minute to Google it. <laughs> Google Wait, I don't know if I should be Googling attractive. Cr- Wait a second. Why is this already in my browser history, Jamie? <laughs> um, <laughs> he was in that show with Halle Berry about aliens and pregnancy. That was weird. <laughs> Do you remember that show? What was that co- called? Is that Extent? Yeah, I actually didn't mind that show. That wasn't too bad, yeah, that show. Uh, no. Yeah, it was okay. Halle Berry. You didn't like it. Of course you didn't. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You found any attractive Croatian men, Colin? I mean, there's the most handsome Croatian men top 10 list here. Uh, a Croatian pop singer, Tony Satinsky. Oh, know him well. Uh, biathlete from a Croatia, Jacob Fak. Beg your pardon? This is a family show, <laughs> Excuse Colin. me. Stipe Pletikosa, Croatian footballer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goran Ivanasevic, uh, retired Croatian tennis player. Oh. Antonio Lujic, um, a model. Uh, this guy player. here doesn't even say what he is because the page is stolen. What am I, a dial-up or something? But nice abs. Uh, 
All right, okay, we get it. There's attractive Croatian man, but Goran Viznich is up there, know. right? You need number three. We have to know who's number two and one. Number two is a Croatian footballer, Vedran Korluka. Okay. Uh, and number one is Nico Krenjar, a Croatian oh, footballer. Yeah. So, I mean, of non-football players, I guess he's number one on the list. Of all the football players, I've not heard of those. I have heard of Croatian football. And Goran Ivanisevic, the tennis player, yes, famously beat Pat Rafter in 2001 Wimbledon. Still not dirty about that at all, but uh, anyway. Um, but bring back Goran Viznic. Make Goran Viznic happen again. There you go. I follow him on Instagram, actually. He seems like he's a quite busy man. Anyway, uh, so Janice <laughs> dying. When Janice dying, you think of Goran Viznic, of course. Um... <laughs> but, like, I love the, the tension around this, like, oh, no, she's going to die. And then basically 10 seconds later, they're going to be like, she's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this was the cliffhanger of last week. Um, so then we get Jack on the phone, Jack and Terry, like, where are you, Jack? I don't know if Janet's going to... Terry is so annoying in this episode. We kind of... Really? I think so. Like, I think we've kind of had some quiet Terry in the last couple of episodes, but now Terry goes back into full-on just... No, Terry. You, you don't think she's annoying in this episode? No, actually, I, I thought this was the, the most I've liked her in any episode yet. Oh, well, okay then. Maybe you like a woman on the phone crying. And <laughs> that's that's my type. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you met Jamie. You're walking down the street, there's this woman crying. I don't want to be alive anymore. I love you, Jamie. Let's get married. Um, Jack's on the phone. He shows up with dead old body in the back. Now, there's a few things that I don't think make sense with this body. So we, we see this body in the back. We hear the, his face is all gone. His teeth are gone. His fingernails are gone. His fingerprint, like everything about this guy is gone, right? When we see him laying on the table later on, I can still make out who he is on his face. Like his face isn't that mangled. So I don't know if you picked up on that. Like I feel like they've talked about how mangled this guy is. And I don't know if this is just a rating thing that Fox couldn't get, like literally have him completely mangled when we see him on the table later. But, I mean, I've seen more mangled people on Nip Tuck than I have on this, and they can still recognize those people. You've mangled more people more than this in your life. I have, with my dastardly good looks and sexy voice. They just get mangled in the loins. That's why I've been engaged so many times. Um, But I love... So Jack just gets a helicopter. Here's our soap opera drama of the episode. Jack gets a helicopter, and Tony comes up... He didn't get permission for this helicopter. Leave me alone, Tony. When I want your help, I'll ask for it. Just remember, Nina, when we come out of this, I'm the man. (laughs) And there's a massive mistake in this episode. Tony here on the roof has no flavor saver. Later on in the episode, when we see Tony (laughs) looking concerned at people, has a flavor saver. So somehow, Carlos Bernard has the power to grow facial hair in like 30 minutes. So... Good for it's you, a, it's a stick on one. <laughs> I just never noticed that before. But also, like, Jack, I love him when he gets, like, they're standing next to a helicopter. They're literally shouting, and he's still on the phone, able to have a perfect conversation with the hospital, and to which he, like, literally rings up, Hi, this is Federal Agent Jack Bauer. Now, I'm going to try this. I'm just going to call places, and I'm going to be like, Hi, Wendy's. This is federal agent Ben Waterworth. I want one of those like five meat stack burgers, okay? Like, can you know, does this if, work? If you get a call in the middle of this episode or even next week, just promise us you will answer on speakerphone. Hi, federal agent Ben Waterworth speaking. <laughs> like, is this a thing that Americans just automatically believe people who say they're a federal agent? And like, do you not have to identify yourself in any way? Well, and plus, CTU is supposed to be, like, under the radar. Yeah. It's not something that... They even said in passive, CTU, what's that? Yeah. Should he be revealing that he's a federal agent? (laughs) 
Yeah, he'd be a great spy. Like, imagine him in James Bond. Oh, I guess James Bond reveals himself enough anyway. Um, so he's on the way to the hospital. Uh, don't tell anyone I've um, taken this helicopter for personal use. Uh, but this is, again, where, like, Tony just... I've never been annoyed at Tony before. But the way he's just kind of like, eh, you know, doing things without our knowledge. Like, this is really adding up. Like, why do you have to question this? He is your superior. And Nina's literally said he's following a lead. Is that not enough? Like, <laughs> yeah. why is this and a I, thing that Tony's got to be suspicious? I understand it's your girlfriend, Tony. But I mean, again, Jack is your superior. If he says, lay her down on the couch and get out, I'm taking her. <laughs> you lay her on the couch, get out, and he takes her. That's the way it works in CTU. Exactly, Hierarchy. Tony. I've, I've seen that video. Um, so, <laughs> like, again, we and get like, it. Like, and I want cuppy, too. <laughs> This is that, that, that point of the show where you've got to be suspicious of someone and you're not meant to like Tony. I get it. But this is definitely one of those things where it's like having seen this show and knowing how this show turns out, it's kind of annoying what they're doing with Tony here. And this isn't going to be the first time we utter those words. This is annoying what they're doing with Tony yeah. here. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, meanwhile, Rick has got a very Dan... Uh, I, I'm really not watching anything else in this scene except for Kim, so I don't know what else is happening. I, I do like games. Like you get games kind of on the phone, like, oh, we're a bit behind, but we're back on schedule. And I love kind of the way, like, just this calm sort of evil demeanor Gaines has where it's just kind of like, this is what happens when you lie. Don't ever lie to me, Rick. And it's like, now bury your friend. Where? In the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I just love him. Um, and then I love, like, Kim, selfish Kim, we've got to get out of here. It's like, shut up. <laughs> that makes her selfish. <laughs> I, I might I might actually just kind of lump some of all this in because, again, I, I was distracted. I didn't know what was happening in the Kim yeah. Ginger whole scene. She eventually goes and gets a shovel because apparently this is a, a lair for the henchmen and everything where they've got guys literally patrolling with AK-47s, yet you allow someone to just enter a shed with weapons. So, mm. sure, that's fine. <laughs> Kim gets a shovel. And starts digging. And then we get a bit of back and forth about, you know, Rick, like, oh, Dan always thought everything was a joke. <laughs> and like, oh, we were just meant to hang out with you. And Kim's kind of got a good point. Like, well, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, point one to Kim there. Um, and eventually Kim's going to get taken away into a little shed with Gaines, but I'll maybe keep that to a bit later on. Although I do like it when Gaines kind of gets her and is all like, unless you're going to use that shovel on me, come with me. And like Kim's kind of standing up. She's got a shovel and grr, I'm Kim. Um, <laughs> there's a t-shirt. Grr, I'm Kim. Grr, I'm Kim. <laughs> with a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because that's all you associate Kim Bauer with uh, very soon is a, is a cougar. Um, Meanwhile, back with the Palmer drama, uh, we get the most <laughs> bored television anchor in the history of television. This woman on CMP at like 5.06 in the morning. It is believed that the Palmer campaign spent their night preparing for the break. I'm like, who's watching that at 5 in the morning? Watching the tube. I'm watching bored CMB woman. <laughs> um, Carl is there. We get a bit of, you know, tension between Sherry and Carl. And then this is, of course, Palmer, um, I guess, uh, approaching Carl for the first time after speaking with Lorraine Kingsley about that he sort of covered this up. Carl admits that he did. He covered this up. Uh, he didn't want uh, Keith to get in trouble. Palmer has a good point about, well, hey, why didn't you just go to the cops? To which Carl's like, the boy was white, David. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what it's like for a black man like me and Keith. Yes. Because is that how it works? 
If a black <laughs> guy kills a white guy, it's it's a racial thing. I thought it was the other way around. <laughs> oh wait, we're in twenty twenty now. Twenty twenty one. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's it's it's modern now. We're finally caught up with the times. Um. But so this basically means David's like, get out. I do whatever. See you again. Palmer drama. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm bagging this out, but there's actually quite a tense scene and like Dennis Haysbert's actually really good. And so is Carl. Uh, and then this is where we get the bombshell. Like you want to know how I got access to Keith? Maybe you should talk to your wife. Ooh. Ooh. Plot twist. Um, I swear every single episode though, if you kind of break down every moment of the Palmer drama, there's always this like almost soap opera turn to the camera. Like it first started off with Keith murdered that boy <gasps> turn to the camera the next one is like oh lorraine kingsley knows more about this <gasps> turn to the camera the next one carl knows more about it <gasps> next one sherry knows more about it <gasps> <laughs> dennis Haysworth thought he signed up to a soap opera at this point i think <laughs> um, uh, and you keep referring to it as lorraine kingsley you know it's maureen right oh whatever lorraine maureen you know <laughs> we all know lorraine's short for maureen <laughs> I just point out you had to Google that just then. You were questioning my well, choice. Well, I was Googling because I was Googled. thinking, like, am I have I been wrong all these years? Why is it, is it supposed to be Lorraine? <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Lorraine's a much better name than Maureen. Like, who calls their people Ma- Maureen? Sounds like an eighty-year-old who's got COVID or something like that. Um, <laughs> so, and rest in peace, Maureen, for getting COVID. Um, so yeah, Kim's digging a hole still. Jack gets to the hospital, to which he has a conversation with his security guard, and we get the big reunion. Jack and Terry, here it is. Although it's only been six episodes, that actually I remember watching this for the first time. Thinking like, okay, they've been through enough. It's good to see them together. And one thing this season does well is these moments when you actually get Jack and Terry and Kim kind of have reunions. It feels like it's been a lot longer and you kind of feel that emotional mm-hmm. connection because they've been through enough. And again, break it down. They've only been apart for five hours, but that's how much they love each other. Five hours feels like five years and they just want to bone here on the little couch in the <laughs> hospital. Although I don't know if Jack's a dick or Terry's a dick here. When the when Terry utters the words, promise you'll never leave me again, to which Jack goes, I promise. Um, yeah, I, never. <laughs> Yeah, I like. You gotta who, go to the bathroom, Terry. I'm right there with you. Who who's the dick here? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> well, Alan just <laughs> pops in right now. Just, Hello, I'm Alan. To which he says, "You must be Jack." I want Terry to be like, "Oh no, this is um Frank." Just don't tell Jack about this. Um, just yeah. uh, just <laughs> never mind. You didn't see this. <laughs> oh, like, just and then I do love Jackie interrogation mode. Just like. So, Janet, has he been hanging out with these boys a lot? <laughs> Terry, there's, there's a whole range of emotions going on in this scene, right? You know that the Anchorman scene when he's like in, like, I'm surrounded in a cave of emotions when he's in the phone booth? Like, this is what's happening in this scene. We get emotional reunion followed by Terry like, this is my good friend, Alan. He's been a good friend to yeah. me, Jack. <laughs> I love how she has For four hours. <laughs> I know this man. I trust him with my life. There's no way this guy could be anything else but Alan York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if ever there was an Alan York in this world, this is the Alan York. <laughs> An accountant in the valley, this is Alan York right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Like if I if I looked at an accountant in the dictionary, this is the picture I would see. <laughs> when um, I was a young child, Jack, I dreamed about having an Alan York just like this one day. <laughs> the Alan York is this Alan York. 
Uh, so, so we go from emotional meeting to, hi, this is my good friend, Alan York, to concerned Alan York, to Jack interrogating Alan York, to Terry, grr, Jack, don't be a bastard to my good friend, Alan York, to Jack not listening to his wife because we've got weird man getting accosted by security, to which Jack basically <laughs> gang tackles this guy. Well, who's killing Palmer? And then we find out that he's some psych patient. I'm sorry, I didn't take my meds. To within three seconds, he hugs Terry and he's like, I'm sorry, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I'm if I'm in a hospital with Mallory and I just start gang tackling someone and punching them, she's not going to be like, You're "Oh, it's okay, Ben. I understand." Nor is security in the hospital, by the way. Yes. Like, what is security doing? Like, this guy must be a huge fan of federal agents because he's literally just yeah, letting exactly. you say a free range bash up people. <laughs> like, we saw the cops a couple of episodes ago. Jack couldn't even say hello without him being tackled. Like, this is. This is the difference between hotel uh, hotel security, hospital security. They just like let him bash around. Just the hug and they just let everything get back to normal within two seconds. Okay. It's a weird scene, but somewhat enjoyable. Um, then we get the first of what is going to be many, many great scenes between Palmer and Sherry. Uh, well, she's a Palmer. David and Sherry. <laughs> As he approaches her and he's basically like, you knew about Keith, you covered this up. And this is where Penny Johnson Gerald signs. Like there's something, she would be so good at Survivor, Penny Johnson Gerald, because like mm. you believe her when she's being nice and sincere and loving wife. And then when she has this kind of like sinister turn where all of a sudden you find out she's been up to some things, like she just, she holds it so well. Like there's just something about her that just plays the character so brilliantly. And like, this is the least of the bad things she will do in all of 24. Like, like you kind of are almost on her side in a way here because you're kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, she's protecting her son. Like, that's okay. That's fine. Again, she's going to do some shady shit in this show. <laughs> um, but, like, just the way she handles this and then kind of we get this, like, you just want to do this because you want to get in the White House. And I love that line where she's like, I'm as ambitious as you are, David, and just... So many layers to this that are so good. And then kind of you get David removing a hand from the door handle and it's like, ooh, like tension, palmer drama. Um, <laughs> I might just cap it here because I feel like I'm rushing through everything. But like I just, every time these two fight, like I, I absolutely love it. And just Penny Johnson-Gerald, how she wasn't ever credited with an Emmy nomination or anything. Like, you know, Keeper Sutherland deserve it. Dennis Haysbert, they deserve it. But holy crap, Penny Johnson-Gerald is good. Did you ever, uh, I know you didn't read the book because you have to read first, but (laughs) did you ever watch the movie Primary Colors with John Travolta and Emma Emma Thompson? I've I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I mean, the book is one of my favorite books of all time. The movie was decent, uh, but if if nobody knows what it is, it was a satire written by an anonymous author in the 90s that was extremely similar with characters, at least, and extremely similar in events to the Clinton campaign. Uh, during the the Democratic primaries. And obviously, they they probably took some liberties, but the guy who eventually came out as the author did work for the Clintons during that campaign. So you can take a little bit of what's in that book and say probably somewhat based on fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, The main reveal in that is that there are some shady things that go on with the Clintons or the Stantons in the book, uh, and that it's actually Hillary, the wife, who was behind most of it. No. I... I always, again, what are you everybody, talking about? <laughs> no surprise to anybody. <laughs> but I always felt like they were directly going for a primary colors thing here with Sherry. Uh, so much so that it, it works that 
I don't really view Sherry as a villain. Like, do you view Sherry as a 24 no. villain? No, I like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, she's just like, a shady she's, character. She, yeah, I think, like, and look, like, jokes aside, I have nothing against Hillary Clinton. I'm not a Trump supporter. <laughs> I'm like, I... <laughs> I am I'm weirdly fascinated by Hillary Clinton and her story. Like it's just, as an Australian who has nothing to do with America, it's it's interesting to me. So that was a weird joke. But like no, I don't. I have absolutely no thought that she's a villain. And I think kind of this is every, every she's one of those. She's almost like Jack in a weird way that like she's doing things to what she perceives to be the greater good. And yes, she's yeah. ambitious. Yes, you can say she's selfish. Absolutely, she's more selfish than Jack is. But I think if we were to break down everything that is, quote, bad, Sherry does, it's all for what she perceives to be the greater good. And, okay, you might argue that the villains in 24, they're doing it for what they perceive. Like, I understand that. But, like, Sherry is always perceived as a villain, but I don't... I think of all the villains, she's maybe one of the ones that you can kind of sympathise with the most. And is, isn't, I don't flat out say Sherry's a villain, no. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you. She... She, to me, is the only character in the show that's not really... Every character is in a gray area in 24. Yeah. The good guys are gray, the bad guys are gray, but they always have a side as far as what the show is portraying. You have your heroes, and then you have, oh, this person's a flat-out villain. Even characters that we see in this first season that will eventually become villains, they have to have that clear distinction. With her, she might be the only one I could think about that maybe Mason's similar. Mason kind of has a, a very opposite type story arc where he just becomes more honorable, more likable. But she's she's just a person, you know? She's she's a character, like you said, that's doing it her way. It's probably a little bit more questionable. Can you can you say more questionable than Jack? Because Jack, in this one episode, does things that like, oh, that would have made Sherry a clear-cut villain. I mean, Sherry never chops anyone's heads off or shoves ropes down their throat to threaten yeah. to uh, destroy their stomach lining. So um, probably going to say less questionable than what Jack does. But, I, I mean, I, I love her too. She's one of my favourite characters. I, I think coming out of this season, the two characters uh, that surprised me the most are probably the two that to this day I would rank as my favourite from the season. We'll see how it is when we finish this. But Sherry and Nina uh, are... are characters that you don't expect to like as much as you do later on this is the first sherry moment we're gonna get um with uh the, the kim thing i really got nothing to add they, they dig a hole <laughs> again it's enjoyable it's a nice uh, hole it's really good to look at that, that hole. hole wow oh, the more and more that hole gets dug the more i enjoy watching it like it just it gets it gets lower and lower and like you're yeah. going wow that hole's gonna be very good to keep looking at for the rest of this episode. and you know what You'd like to give some of the credit to the shovel, but you, it's all Kim. I mean, it's, Kim oh. makes that hole. <laughs> I, I never thought we'd be six episodes in and talking about Kim and holes, but here we are. Um, yeah, I feel exactly. we need to move away from this because I feel like I'm I'm on the edge of saying something really inappropriate right now about <laughs> Kim and holes. And I, I, it's 2021. It's it's not time for that. Uh, but uh, quickly wanted to comment on Mike Novick because uh, we've mentioned several times like uh, both Pierce and Novick are like the fan favorite characters that were probably never intended to go beyond a few episodes. Uh, and I've always been a bigger Novick fan than Pierce. I mean, Pierce, you know, he has like that underdog thing going for him. But Novick is like, I think through all his seasons, probably has more dominant presence. I forgot how authoritative he was in his first scene here his first episode it almost feels like a different mike novick and maybe that's because palmer's going to become president later and you have to have different etiquette but like he's full-on like 
ordering Palmer around. Like he's the boss in this scene. And I really like this Novick. And I can't remember if we, I know in season two, we're going to get pretty, you know, strong Mike Novick moment near the end of the season, but this might be like, Novik taking command uh, more than we've ever seen him. Any, unless you can remember any other big Mike Novik. See, he's one of those under the radar characters that you appreciate for his subtlety. This is like Mike Novik's the boss. Yeah, I think you're right. Like um, Novak, I think the difference between Novik and Pierce is that um, I think with Novik, they kind of they they take him in a much different direction than Pierce. Pierce, basically, they I feel they deliberately like. I feel like they could see long-term where Novik's going and they didn't really see it with Pierce. When Pierce became mm-hmm. such a fan favourite, like, you know, this is going back to our point where we talk about how, you know, 24 was really good at listening to the fans and really kind of playing up to the fandom of this show. And one of them was Pierce. Like, Pierce just became such an instant fan favourite. So it's season five when he all but becomes a major character, uh, basically. Um, so, but yeah, like... I can think of a few things with Novik going forward, um, which I can't really go into without sort of spoiling what happens with it. But, I mean, looking Mm -hmm. here at the overall uh, episode count for all these actors, and this is something we did a lot in in Third Watch, Lost and Nip Tuck. I always like to see kind of who gets the most episodes out of all the stars of all the seasons. Um, If you you kind of take away from your your big guns, and I feel that, is it Chikela? How do you say his last name? Chikalala? Chikalala. Jude. Hey, Jude. Um, hey, Jude. Here. Hey, Jude. Jude Law. Um, I don't believe he was ever credited as a main cast member. No, he so, wasn't. So basically he, looking here, would be the the one actor slash character with the most appearances that was never a major cast member. So he has 59 mm. in total across all the seasons. Um, so only uh, Kiefer, Jack Bauer, Marilyn Radzkub, Chloe, Carlos Bernard, Tony, Dennis Haysbert, President Palmer, Alicia Casper, Kim, James Morrison as Bill, and Rico Ellsworth as Michelle Dessler only have more appearances. Mike has more appearances than Audrey. Uh, six episodes more than uh, Audrey. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. And he's, I mean, he's in a lot of the early seasons, but he's never like, not even just doesn't get star billing. He's not, he'll pop in and out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so for a character to maintain a solid presence for as long as he did, it's, it's cool to see this as his first appearance, but it totally caught me off guard. Like, the, like I, this might be my favorite Mike Novick moment. Uh, we're only a few minutes into his time on the show, but uh, I like this Mike Novick. I, I want this Mike, this Mike Novick can come back. Yeah, I, I, I like kind of, he's very quick to get out of bed, Mike Novick. Like literally two yeah. knocks on the door. Can I just say, Palmer's really weird at knocking on that door. Just, I, I don't know if you picked up on that, but like, <laughs> no. he's like, who is it? It's David Palmer. He's at the door straight away. Like he loves David Palmer. <laughs> like he's there ready to go. Thank um, you for putting on a robe this time, Mike. <laughs> I know, I know. But no, I do, I, I'm with you there. I do kind of like it when he's basically like, I'm your chief of staff. You're running for president. There are no secrets. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I do. I, I agree with everything you, you say with that. Um, do you have anything else to add on any of the scenes? You, you jumped ahead slightly Just- there, Colin, but. Uh, well, my apologies. <laughs> so you should be. This is 24. It's real time. Uh, but the, the Janet stuff, uh, I, I never would have picked up this. If if we hadn't been covering these episodes and talking about Janet the punching bag, uh, <laughs> I don't think I would have appreciated it nearly as much. Uh, I'm going to be sad by the end of this episode. But even at the beginning, like w- when Terry, I think, is or Jack's coming there and Terry's asking or he's he's asking Terry, you know, how's Janet? It's like, oh, she she's she was out of surgery, but there's been complications. I just wanted Jack to be like, well, go in there and finish her off then. <laughs> <laughs> this is taking six episodes already. 
<laughs> What's also, going on? I also like when Nina's on the phone here to Jack and basically Nina's like, how's Janet? How's the wife? And Jack's like, Terry's fine, Nina. What's going on with the body? Yeah. <laughs> He's so the, the snappy Nina- to her. <laughs> Well, the, the, I want to also comment on the Nina Tony thing because uh, it's not just that Tony's again. Oh, welcome, Jack. He's following Nina. He has no yes. reason to be coming out there. <laughs> He's like spying around the corner or something. Like really creepy boyfriend here. Clingy uh, boyfriend. They there is a purpose to this. So again, I'm not holding this against Carlos Bernardo. I'm not holding against the writers. Uh, the reason we've we've talked about it several times already on here it's about making him the false suspect yeah but they do it so well that when we get to season two i'm going to talk about it wasn't until the end of season two that i even warmed up to carlos bernard like i was still like oh this douchey tony you (laughs) (laughs) this tony (laughs) Tony. well this is one scene um obviously every every season we do of a tv show we we talk about top five moments and uh I think we've only had one nominee so far this season. Obviously, all the good stuff still to come. But I remember years and years ago, I actually did a video where I made top 30 moments of 24. And I believe at that point, we'd only... I think it was only maybe halfway through season five. Um, so, yeah. And I was kind of started watching a few bits of it the other day. And I'd like to kind of watch it all through to see what my moments were. And one of the first, like, number 30 or number 29... And I actually really... And I'll advocate this next, next season for a moment is the moment when him and Michelle kiss for the first time. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Um, and they have this, like, passionate kiss in the hallway. Like, it's just such an epic moment that I just absolutely love. And, like, I don't know. I feel like that's when I warmed up to Tony because I'm like, mm-hmm. you lucky man. Yeah, I think that's around the same time. That's the end of season two, right? <laughs> and also, you lucky woman, Michelle. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, we don't want to get into any details, but if uh, let's just say if Chappelle is not, at least in your top two, uh, I'm leaving this show. Um, I'm pretty sure it is at least in the top five. Um, there's a, I, I think even the Mason one is up there. Um, oh, I mean the Chappelle one, like you talk about TV moments. I often talk about how house of cards train scene is maybe the most shocking scene I've ever had in any TV show. Um, that, um, bloody what's his face in breaking bad. When Giancarlo Esposito dies, he gets his head half blown off. Like just th- that scene is just absolutely shocking. But um, no, that Chappelle scene in season three. Mm-hmm. I mean, this when we're, we're well away from it, but like, you know, we're, there'll be plenty of moments we will get to. And there's one big one in this season that kind yeah. of solidifies 24 as, you know, that type of show where they would kill anyone off at any given moment. And you would be like, holy fuck, they actually did that. Like, you, you know, like Game of Thrones gets credit for that. Um, you know, Lost did it. Um, all these other shows that get credit for doing this style of television, 24 was doing it before they were. And look, I've never watched The Sopranos. I'm sure The Sopranos, about similar time, maybe The Sopranos was mm-hmm. doing it before 24. I'm not saying 24 was the first, but 24 definitely was up there as one of these shows that would just, like, out of nowhere give you something. And, yeah, that Chappelle one in season three, yeah. holy crap. Like And network television. We should also, big distinction between network and cable television, especially in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, now they're interchangeable almost. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, even next week will be uh, pretty big. Uh, but um, the, the the Terry thing, I, I'm actually surprised with you not liking Terry in this episode because specifically the scene where Jack does tell her, oh, this is what's going on. And Terry kind of has a bit of a breakdown. Like I thought that her emotions in this is what grounded the episode for me. And that's what made walking around the hospital so good uh, as well. The reaction we're going to get at the end of this episode too. That that seems okay. Like I'll give it to her. Like, uh, like I don't feel like I just want to shit all over uh, Leslie Mann Hope here. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
you know, like I, I, I don't dislike Leslie Hope in any way. Like honestly, like with anyone from this show, if I see them in something else or I know, like I'm going to get excited. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I will, I will enjoy them because of the fact that I love them from 24. Um, but I think like that scene's good, but like just everything else, just the way she's just kind of like, Oh, boo hoo. Jack said, he's not going to leave me and promise you'll never leave me. And just, I don't know. She just gets on my nerves again in this episode. <laughs> um, I, I like Terry when she's kind of like, you know, Terry on the scene, Terry investigating, Terry doing things, not like, oh, Terry, boo-hoo, I miss my children. Like, that's where I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nobody's favorite character, right? No. But no. just to give a bit of a shout-out, because who knows how many other times we're going to have positive things to say about Terry in this season. Uh, Leslie Hope did uh, at least one other show that I was familiar with her from. It was not long after 24. Uh, it was called Line of Fire. I think it lasted one, maybe two seasons. It was like an FBI drama uh, for a network TV show felt more cable, like, like uh, a lot more dramatic and uh, better written. Uh, she played a more Jack Bauer like character in that show. And uh, she, she's definitely a much better actress than we get uh, here on 24. She, uh, I, I'm seeing here. She directed um, some lost in space, uh, the Netflix version. Ooh. I don't know if she did like one or more, but um, also I, I remember, I think I've told you a few times that Mallory and I sat down and watched all the suits. I know she played a character in suits for a while. Um, I like, like again, she's, I've seen her in plenty of other things. Like I just kind of, you look through her filmography and like, she'll just pop up something mm-hmm. every now and then, um, you know, never went on to massive, massive things. And I don't know how well known she was before 24, but I would feel that to this day, 24 is still the show that people would probably oh, yeah. know her best from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all the other things I wanted to add here, the scene with Jack tackling the guy, <laughs> the, the hallway, like that, that's probably good. If we do a list of most absurd Jack Bauer moments for the end of the season, this has to be one of them. Just some random guy. What's in the briefcase? <laughs> and he's just, what was he like some psych patron? We need to see my brother. And he's like stolen well, a whole he bunch was, of meds. Yeah, he was he was trying to sneak different medication in for his brother too. Uh, but again, like maybe Jack could apologize to this guy instead of just apologizing yeah. to Terry. Like but Terry's this, the least affected by this. And this poor guy is probably like, I want this to be the villain in season four. Like, remember that guy you yeah. tackled? He's like, he's been traumatized. Who's that guy who tackled me in two years ago? You know, when we get when we get a famous character returning in season seven to find out they're the big villain, it should have been this guy. Yeah. <laughs> My brother died because of that. <laughs> Um, Kim's been taken back to Gaines here at this point. Jack's on the phone to Nina for a long time. Uh, yeah, Alan and Terry have a bonding moment. This is where Jack tells Terry about the what's going on. Um, this is where Nina, uh, like when Jack's been like really snappy to Nina on the phone, like get Jamie onto it, but Jamie's working on the key card. I don't care. Jamie can do this. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a dick Jack Bell moment, but he's a bit of a dick here. And then I love like <laughs> Nina going up to Jamie and is basically like, Jamie, I need you to work on this, but I'm working on the key card. Milo can do that. Milo, he works on the guidance <laughs> system. Guidance system. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it's very Natalia and Boris here. Um, I really wish we got more out of like Jamie and Milo this. I remembered it being a bigger thing, like the Jamie Milo demic. We're going to get that in almost every single season. I think they did it best in season three with uh, Zachary Quinto and Kim. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I look at the episodes and I'm like, oh, we're not going to have that much time to appreciate this. And like, I like, Milo is the most, like, remember Milo because he is legitimately the most random, hey, let's bring back someone from the first season, the latest season. Remember that guy who was in, like, four episodes in the first season? 
Um, and like, I'll be honest, I like Milo. Like Milo's fine in season six. Um, and the the other the the head of CTU, what's her name in season six? Um, he's like, Who's I think they are, there's, oh, I can't remember her name, Cortez or somebody like that. Like, I like her. Oh like, yeah. The dynamic between her and Milo is really good in season six, but he's just so, he's just so random that you kind of forget he's a thing. Um, but let's be honest, no one forgets Eric Balfour's a thing. We talk a lot here on the uh, Oz <laughs> network about people with big dongs. Like we're not even joking. Eric Balfour has a big dong. He was in like some show, like uh, that's what he's known for. Like it's the random guy from some movie or TV show where you see him naked and he has a very large penis. So, yeah. um, Eric Balfour. <laughs> Look at Milo differently, Jamie, if you're listening. <laughs> he has a massive dong. Um, so Jamie's got to go work on the body, basically. Um, meanwhile, uh, they discover that this dead body has a surgical pin, so they're going to be able to discover who this body is. Um, Mike is telling Palmer, essentially, like, this is what will happen. You'll free fall on the poles. You'll be borderline unelectable. And like this is where like Dennis Haysbert kind of has this innocence about him, and like you talked earlier in this season about how like you didn't believe him as Palmer when he's joking and all that kind of stuff, and like you know I'm your big fuzzy bear or whatever. Like I can see it because you you kind of just think of Palmer as presidential, but again, like I feel it like sets his character up well that he kind of goes from this kind of lovable, goofy sort of dad figure to now somebody who's so worried about his family and he's so concerned. I just I really like this scene when kind of. Um, Mike says something like, oh, do you still want the job? And he's just kind of like, you know I do. Like, and kind of this is, he's kind of weighing options up here, like between his family and the fact that he wants to become president. And I don't know, there's just something about this with his character that I think really makes you connect with him more and really feel with him more. And that if you didn't have these early episodes with him doing this, that maybe you're not going to just, you're just going to see like, oh, he's a president. Like, Mm. tell me one other president in 24 where you genuinely connect on a level with Palmer. Maybe um, Cherry Jones later on, Taylor, potentially. You get a lot of family stuff with her. Even the stuff with um, uh, Gregory Itzen. Oh, talking about Wayne. uh, Wayne, come on. Was he president? (laughs) We're still missing. I don't know if we ever got a resolution to what happened to him. But, like, even even with um, Gregory Itzen, like, he kind of, the way, like, I, I look forward to when we get to him as president because like I like the way he starts off as vice president yeah. to president and kind of is so reluctant and has no clue what he's doing and then like the exact the, opposite yeah yeah like it's kind of it, it works on a level where it's really good but like of all the presidents in twenty four even when you later get Secretary Heller becomes president that's just like completely random <laughs> um, I just feel that like you just don't get any on this level that you do with Palmer. And this is all because of these opening scenes and this whole season yeah. of Palmer. Because he's the only president that we get a whole season of pre-president. Like, again, Wayne. But, I mean, that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> nothing about Wayne counts. Yeah. I mean, I like D.B. Woodside. I have nothing against D.B. Woodside. It's just that character. I like him better in season three than season six. Like, no issues with him in season three. But season six, what's the point of him? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, like anything with that season. I don't know if you have anything to add with Palmer there. No, I, again, I think we're both kind of on the fence with the exact same thing, just taking different sides. Cause I completely see what you're saying. And I, I didn't really even think about it until you were running through all oh, this is important. Cause we get like the personal side of him. We will get no personal Palmer stuff really in season. What we get of personal Palmer stuff in season two is all on the job. So it doesn't mm. feel like personal. And then we get it again in season three and it's like, eh, we don't really need this again. Uh, but I, I feel like season three would have been even harder to take if we hadn't already gone through this, which is better. 
<laughs> the season three stuff is so pointless. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think that it, 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 it'll, it'll make me appreciate it a little bit more when we get to the worst Palmer stuff in the worst season. And I, but I think it's exactly the same with Jack. Like, I mean, again, when you think of Jack Bauer in all of 24, you think of badass, do anything like, you know, take no prisoners, hard ass Jack Bauer. You don't think of him as family man, loving his daughter, loving his wife and all that kind of stuff. Because like, I feel without this first season, you're not driven into seeing what makes Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer. And like, we get flashes of Jack Bauer in this season. Boy, oh boy, do we get flashes of Jack Bauer (laughs) this season. It's not like this is not a thing, but I don't know, like, like, I, I never watched Walker, Texas Ranger. I I never got the whole Chuck Norris thing, like he's a badass great. But like, I don't know if we had a full season of humanizing Walker, Texas. To me, that just seems like it's a show where he just fucking walks in, shoots someone and goes back to his daily life. Whereas like, you've got this personal... And there's, there's a reason why Kiefer Sutherland won a Golden Globe for this season, right? Like, you know, it's Well, kind it's of, the Golden Globes, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> couldn't quite get an I, I guess Oscar for this performance, Colin. <laughs> Knowing what uh, you know, what's going to come of both Palmer and Jack in future seasons, I do agree it's important to have some personal stuff in here because everything that's going to happen after this is going to be based on what they lose in season one. And if you don't identify what with what they lose with uh, in season one, it's not going to be as effective later on. So. And that's that's Fair why point. like when when like I rank the seasons and that like. I'll be honest right now, off the top of my head, and this might change. It changed, I think, a bit in Nip Tuck and, and Third Watch that, like, ultimately right now I can tell you what my favorite seasons are and what my number one season would be. It's either yeah. going to be season one or season five, like, hands down. But, again, like, where some people often would say, like, oh, no, season five is better because of this, this, and this, and I wouldn't disagree with that. There's just still something about season one that always just draws me in and is like, well, look, I just can't look past this and this is why maybe this is the best season of 24 to me. And this is interesting because mm-hmm. on this rewatch I'll say, like, it's, it's definitely a little bit different when you've got to be super analytical of a show and kind of pick it apart. But, um, yeah, anyway. So Jack gets another call here. And this is when we get the first, like, gains. Actually, hang on, before that bit, I should mention that uh, Jack wants to ask questions to Janet because apparently she's fine now. She nearly died 20 minutes ago, but she's all good now to talk. Um, to which the doctor's all like, oh, I don't know if I'm okay with this. What does the father think? And he's all like, uh, well, what if I talk to her first? So, okay, then, you know. And at this yes, point... Yes, me, the father, Alan York. <laughs> that stereotypical accountant from the valley. I <laughs> like. I remember watching this for the first time. Again, not suspicious at all. Okay? Dad yeah. wants to talk to Janet. Fine. Valid point. So, Jack walks off with Terry. Oh, let's take a vacation up to Canada. Okay? Uh, <laughs> there's there's the um, there's a plot twist in this show. Every time they mention Canada, something bad happens. Uh, let, let's keep yeah. it, let's track on it. Um, so he gets a phone call and it's Gaines. Like, look at your wife, smile, nod, walk away. Um, this is where I think it's like, it's awkward because like, if you actually just kind of think about this scene and watch it the way Jack's like tense and he's kind of looking around the way he kind of backs away from Terry and there's this awkward staring contest and he's just basically like, uh, bad reception, got to go outside. He still like (laughs) stares at her like, honey, there's something wrong. This goes on for like (laughs) two minutes and Terry's just staring at her going, huh? What's going on here? Like in that, her head, she's like, "Look at the love in that man's eyes." <laughs> if that was Jamie, if Jamie's on the phone and she's looking at you like, actually, you wouldn't know. Let's put it the other way around. If you're on the <laughs> phone to Jamie, Jamie's worried. Jamie's concerned right now. Um, he basically tells Jack to go outside, leave, go to a car. There's a car with keys in it. Um, I remember the DVD because again, this was maybe like my first. Uh, this or Lost was my first ever TV show on DVD, and it would have been this. Um, 
And like, remember on like DVD menus, how they would often have like a, 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 a like a menu for like 60 seconds that kind of would play scenes from the show and kind of it would cycle. Yeah. Like each disc would have like different scenes from that disc. So the bit when he goes, that's right, we're watching you. That was on the season one disc. And I just remember that was the one that would always play in the background. That's right, we're watching you. <laughs> so every time I hear that. So Jack leaves. Then we get the fantastic moment the moment we've all been waiting for the bond and the reunion between father and daughter loving father alan york the accountant from the valley and his daughter janet and i love how like he gets to the door and he's basically like he he does this like solemn like and then the doctor's like would you like to go in alone like what if she said like i'll come in with you i can't leave you alone like she's yeah hospital regulations under protection from the federal agency (laughs) But this is her dad who has had to show zero identification to prove. Yeah, right? So, Because we know he doesn't have it because of the cop that pulled him over. We talked about that. Again, like great scenes like where that kind of makes sense now when you watch it, when you like he chucks a fit because he doesn't want to show identification. So he walks in. He kind of got this, you know, look on his face and you're kind of like, oh, here we go. And then we hear Janet, dad. And he's like, hello, Janet. (laughs) 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 It reminds me of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hey, Janet. There's something I want to say. I really love this. <laughs> Start singing into uh, Damn It, Janet. Um, and then we get the plot twist. Who are you? <gasps> Richard Berge. <laughs> <laughs> you were that guy who was meant to play Jack Bauer. We get the, who are you? Where's my father? And, oh, yeah. and then he kills her. Um, this was like a, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. This, I had no clue. I remember watching this for the first time. Like, you know how sometimes you're like, oh, he's evil. Like, oh, he's it. Maybe they're evil. No clue. Absolutely mm-hmm. no clue. And that's what's great about watching this show for the first time is that by season two, season three, I think you get pretty good at guessing who's evil. I don't really think yeah. there was ever someone, maybe when we get to President Logan, that was maybe the, the next big one that you kind mm-hmm. of get. It's kind of obvious moving this point forward. But he kills her. Bye-bye, Janet. You dead. <laughs> but also, can I just point out, no one in the hospital cares that Janet's dying. That We hear this beep, 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 beep. Don't they have alarms going off in other rooms of the hospital that someone's flatlining? It, she just had, like, critical surgery and nobody is paying attention. Yeah, this is, again... The, I want to the... cut to them in the break room and they're, like, singing happy birthday to Goran Vizhnik. <laughs> oh, Luca, it's your birthday. I think we're keeping an eye on the patients. No, it's Luca's birthday. Um... But, like, this just concludes the tragic story of Janet York, who just wasn't given a shit about at any point. Now, generally in these recaps, we we eulogize major characters of the show when they die or when they leave the show. I feel I want to take five seconds here to eulogize Janet because poor Janet. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Janet. She, we, at the end of every season, we generally talk about like favorite minor characters and that I'm putting Janet up there. Like, me too. Yes, Janet. What a poor little, like, I, I want them to reboot 24 and do the Janet prequel or have like Janet didn't, she didn't get a silent clock, Colin. She's not really no. dead. She came back to life. <laughs> and Janet's like the next CTU agent wanting to get revenge on Richard Berge. Um, <laughs> anything to add on dear old Janet? It's so weird that. I appreciate that this is going to sound bad. And if you're listening, what's her name? Jackie something. 
uh, Australian, esteemed Australian actress, Jackie Maxwell, Janet York. Yeah, if yes. you're listening, don't take this the wrong way, Jackie Maxwell, but I appreciate her so much more when she's unconscious. Uh, <laughs> and that's nothing Ooh. against her as an actress. <laughs> it's, it's just, we've come to love this character that is just run over and beaten with a bat and broken her arm and banged in a furniture store. And everything that bad that happens to her, it just, it, it, half of the stuff that happens to her, she's already unconscious. It's yep. like the, the, the producers and the writers could not lay off of her even when she was unconscious and barely clinging to life. They're like, we still got to find another way to try to kill this girl. Even if she's not awake enough to scream, we need her to suffer. Yep. And it's such a unique idea for a character, which I guarantee they had no thought in this. It, but she is the red shirt of 24. Yeah, this is the first time I think we, maybe the only time we're going to have somebody who takes this much of a beating in consecutive episodes. And I almost wish we're going to have an, a major episode coming up later on with one of our, one of our casual stars here, who's going to get uh, some pretty, pretty bad treatment too. Now I'm just going to be visualizing Janet in that interrogation room. I just, I can't off the top of my head, think of another character in this entire show who gets as tortured and just beaten around as much. Like, the yeah. um oh the the next season the is she like Palmer's aide or something like that she ends up falling down the stairs because she has information like but like oh, even yeah. then she's kind of an annoying character who you kind of like you don't really care about and it's kind of one thing like there are plenty of characters that you know ultimately it they don't deserve it to happen to them but you need bad stuff like um uh, Cherry Jones's husband the Canadian dude who's in um, oh yeah. Like him, he kind of gets a raw deal, you know. Like mm-hmm. there are definitely characters who get a raw deal, but I can't think of one that just gets tortured and beaten well, around as much as Janet does in six episodes of Twenty Four. And she is the only one hundred percent innocent character in this. I'm not going to yeah. say Terry has done anything wrong, but Terry is married to a federal agent. I mean, some of it's going to come with the territory. Janet is just Kim's friend, yeah, and. Her her dad dies because of this. Janet, you know, takes a massive beating and is killed probably 16 times in six episodes. <laughs> and all just because she's friends with the daughter of the lead character. Yeah. Like the only purely innocent character that suffers and she suffers so much worse than everybody else. And I just want to point out, like, Rick in this episode has a bit of a like, oh, boo-hoo, Dan, he was my friend. Yeah. After Kim's in this compound, she doesn't think about Janet at all. Like, like no. she's, she's got her boobs out, like tits out for the boys for Rick because she might still get lucky with this guy who kidnapped her. Like, okay, but, like, there is no reference. Like, we just want to point out in 24 right now, there has been a 747 that has been blown up over the heart. This should be, like, global news, but that's completely forgotten about. Uh, and now we've got Kim's best friend, Janet, who, like, she absolutely loves doesn't know what's happened to her. We're not going to hear about anything more about her for the rest of the show because mm-hmm. rip Janet. Um, it's kind of like in Jurassic World, the nanny who gets tortured for no reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Violently tortured. <laughs> like Richard Berge is a mosasaur here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like just eats Janet for no reason because she just like she didn't do anything wrong. Um, I'm saying it now. End of season. Janet York. Star of this season, she's up there. Let's yes. remember Janet York. Like we'll have the Janet York tribute character of every season. Like bless you, Janet York and Jackie Maxwell. I'm so sad that like basically, I think we talked about this already. Before 24, she was in three episodes of Gilmore Girls. She was in a short <laughs> film called The Same. From this, she went on to do two more short films: a movie called Zero Un. An episode of CSI. An episode of Charmed. She was in the Dukes of Hazard movie, and then that's it. 
So, 24 makes up almost half of her filmography. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Jack. This is 2005. She has not, according to IMDb, acted. She is from Sydney. Um, I, I, I would love to find Jackie Maxwell and get her on the show. I don't know what she's done since. Um, maybe she just lived a real life of Janet York and no one even <laughs> knows she's died. It's not like one of these tribute things in Hollywood, like, oh, no, sadly, Jackie Maxwell died. Um, she probably died 15 years ago and no one even has recognized it. So... You know, remember Janet York. <laughs> Hashtag remember Janet York. Um, so Janet's dead. Immediately though, great plot twist. Um, like out of nowhere, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, meanwhile, has been told to go uh, in the car. He's been watched by everyone. Kim gets on the phone and is basically like, "Dad, I'm alive." And Jack's like, I'm going to come get you and kill you. I also love like Gaines has got some sass about him. Like we said it earlier on when it was kind of like. Where do I put him? In the ground. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he, when he's like, you're going to go into the office, Jack. CTU, that's where you work, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love sassy Gaines. Like, I, I'm so in love with Gaines in this. Like, I always just remember Gaines as kind of like the part one villain, right? Like, yeah. but Gaines Not even as epic. major as other season part one villains are going to yeah. be. Yeah. Like, within a few episodes, Gaines is gone and you never think about him again. But Gaines is actually brilliant. Like, Gaines is mm-hmm. so good. Um, Jack drives off. Richard Berge comes out. The Janet York killer. I liked you before, Richard Berge. I don't anymore. You killed Janet, Alan York. Um, Drop dead. I was going to call him Alan Berge. Richard Berge. <laughs> Richard York. Um, <laughs> so then... This is where Terry's annoying. Like, she's on the phone. Jack, you just want to take a call. Um, and then, basically, Alan York, or is he? He's all like, yes, Janet said that they went to a party in the valley and gave me a dress here, there, and everywhere. And Terry's like, shouldn't we save for Janet? No, she's sleeping. We should go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, Terry. Like, you've only got yourself to blame here. Like... You can simply say, well, no, I'm going to wait for my husband. Like, yeah. He's just gone out for a phone call. Like, he's literally been gone for 10 minutes and you're just going to leave? Like After begging him to never leave her again. Yeah. Again, back to that point, like, who's the biggest dick here? And, like, I'm going to put some of it on Terry here. Like, Terry should have stayed. All right? Mm-hmm. Kind of got yourself to blame for getting in the car with Alan York. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Rick's all sad because he's dug a hole. Um, do you, I don't, we watched the castle last year on the Oz network and mm-hmm. I don't know how remember, much you remember the lines of that movie, but one of the famous like one liners of that one is when, uh, Stephen Curry's character is like, dad, dug a hole. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of this, all like the Simpsons episode. What are you doing? Digging. What are you digging? <laughs> a hole. Okay. <laughs> just, you know, Rick doing that. Uh, and props to the actor who plays um, Dan here for just laying dead and getting covered. I want to see the bloopers of him like, oh, no, dude, don't cover me. Um, so here we go. Nina's discovered who this body is. We meet Milo for the first time who comes in chewing on sunflower seeds or something like that. And there's something about Milo in his one scene in this episode that I love. He just kind of comes in, Cocky. stares at this body. Chew it on sunflower. So unhygienic in a room where there's an <laughs> autopsy happening. And it's basically just like to, to Jamie, did you do a 7, 12, 13 encoder on it? And Jamie's just like, no. And he's just like, well, you shouldn't have. That's the fastest way to do it. Nom, 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 nom. Like, I know he's meant to be an absolute dick in this scene in more ways than one. It's Eric Balfour. But, like, I just love him. Am 
am I so wrong to love Milo's three lines and his attitude in this scene? No, it's it's kind of like the Mike Novick thing. He he has a much bigger introduction than I remembered him getting, and maybe they did have plans for him down the road, uh, and they just held off season after season after season. But to me, this feels like the type of introduction you would give a major character you're going to do something with. Uh, instead of a guy who's going to be in like bits and pieces this season just because they need to pick up the slack from Jamie. And also the name Milo. Like, uh, I don't yeah, know if Milo. Fam- I don't know if you're familiar with the beverage from Australia called Milo. Um, <laughs> Should I be? <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's kind of like a, like a Nesquik, kind of like a chocolate milk powder, which is kind of like a, a malt chocolate, and it's just it's an absolute staple of Australian diets. Um, love it. Mallory hates it. Mallory thinks it's disgusting, but um, it's it's literally so good that you would get teaspoons of it and eat it from the can, like you wouldn't even add it to milk. Um, it's like it's amazing. Isn't and that it's, dry? It's dry. Yeah, well, it is. But like, it's 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 just something that Australians do. We're weird. Like we eat Vegemite. Mm. What can we say? But like, <laughs> it's it's one of these weird things too that is like when I lived in New Zealand, it was quite big in New Zealand, and New Zealand has claimed it as their own. It's like fuck off, New Zealand. <laughs> like I know we steal all your things. But, like, you don't care. Australians get shitty when you steal our things, so fuck off. Um, But I remember when I went to Malaysia, Malaysia was weirdly obsessed with Milo. Like, they sold Milo at McDonald's. And we we love Milo, and we don't even sell Milo at McDonald's. So, um, my weird thing. And do you remember the movie Milo and Otis? Yeah, dog. Dog and cat that Mm -hmm. traveled. uh, Yep, they killed a lot of dogs and cats in that movie, apparently. (laughs) Like, it's really sad when you hear the story about that movie. Um, But, yeah, Milo. Weird name, but kind of like it. Um, so also, can we just point out that they discover who this body is because of this surgical pin on their leg. Now, this is after they bring Jamie in, and Jamie's apparently the only one who is smart enough to work this out. Now, okay, yeah. if you can't identify somebody because of no teeth, no fingerprints, no face, and again, we see this guy's face, there's enough of his face there to make a, a bloody identification. It's not even mangled. Isn't your ne- like I'm no doctor, I'm no federal agent, but even I would probably be like, well, has he had surgery? Maybe like maybe he's got something inside of him that's rare. Like I've watched enough TV in my life to know that that would be your next go-to thing. And yet, Goran Viznik told you this. Yes, exactly. Yet somehow, some way, Nina's dumb enough that she doesn't need, and she needs to get Jamie to come in to understand this. <laughs> like anyway, so we've discovered who it is. Nina's in gonna ring up jack but can't get on hold of the phone so we actually we get this really great shot i actually really love the um the the shot here where you get the sun rising because the sun rises oh, that yeah. quickly in los angeles i i was gonna say i'm i'm so surprised at the big reaction i had when the sun rises mm. uh and and i think that's something just with 24 they don't draw a lot of attention to it but you don't you lose track of the fact that this is happening real time you're just watching week by week by week yeah so when you've gone through six weeks of doing this and then the sun rises you're like oh it's morning it's beautiful yeah and like that i mean but that's definitely a timely thing like they always make it happen at the very end of an episode um so that yeah. like basically you got a brief little shot of the sun rising and then the next episode is going to be bright as day right like that's generally how it's going to work and it'll happen with nighttime as well but um, yeah, like you do kind of, you do pay attention, particularly in the early seasons. I don't know if they really make much of a bigger deal of it later on. But um, the one, I'd love this shot where you've kind of got this like shot of LA and then they kind of like pan across to this road of the car driving. Mm-hmm. And I always think that this is Jack, but it's actually, no, it's Terry and Alan, Bergie, York, Richard, whatever. And so the phone rings and it's Nina and <laughs> Nina can't get a hold of Jack, which is a shame because, you know, that's sad. And... <laughs> Again, no federal agent. 
I, I don't know how this works, but if you can't get a hold of your federal agent, are you going to disclose this information to his wife? I kind of don't think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I mean, again, without this, plot's not going to plot, twist's not going to twist. So Nina's basically like, oh, I've identified this murder victim for Jack. Is he there? No, he's not. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you could pass on this information to your husband. It's top secret information, but it's okay. I trust you, Terry Bauer. <laughs> yeah, I-, I was given explicit orders to trust only two people with this information, Jamie and Terry Bauer. <laughs> yes. I need you to say that the murder victim is Alan York, to which it's... <gasps> I'm sorry, Nina, could you repeat that again? Yes, it's... Alan York, an accountant from the Valley. He was killed, like, between 11 and midnight. Like, <gasps> if, okay, if he was only killed, like, five hours ago, would he, like, still really be, like, I, I don't know. I feel like a body isn't that, like, you tell that they're not recently dead. I don't know. Um, the point is... Rigor mortis. Rick, thank you. Um, the, the big plot twist now is that Terry finds out that this is Alan York and she's in a car with a stranger. But... Again, can I just point out, like, not to take away, great plot twist. We already know that this guy's evil. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like it's not as shocking as it should be because we already know this guy's not Alan York, right? So, like, maybe end the episode. And I obviously always thought the episode did end with him killing Janet. But anyway, maybe end it. That's more of a shock. But Alan York's a fairly common-sounding name. Like, if this guy was <laughs> name was, like, Alan Montero Diego Cortez, like... <laughs> Really big on shock. Cortez today. <laughs> but, like, but like, could we not have, like, another Alan York? Like, if I was to go on a Facebook right now and type in Alan York, I'm sure there's going to be lots of results. But, I mean, again, I get it. Like, it's like, <gasps> who is Alan York? Yeah. Like, it is a coincidence, like, because you've been in this car. So, there's a plot twist. There's 24. Terry's in a car with a stranger. Um... Yeah, solid episode. Meanwhile, while you talk, I'm actually going to look up Alan York on Facebook. <laughs> We're going to try to get an Alan York on the show. Uh, I don't really have that much to add, so I hope you could search uh, quickly. Um, yeah, Gaines is great, way better than I remembered. Um, the, the killing is uh, it's spectacular. I mean, that's that the twist, all the stuff in the middle, you know, the walk around the hospital, the digging, like it's still good. But everybody's going to remember this episode for the Janet Allen plot twist. Yeah. And it's handled so well. And this may seem weird to draw this parallel, but um, this show reminded me a lot of Survivor a a year later when this came out. Because when Survivor came out, I I was at the age where I had watched enough movies, watched enough TV shows where I had formulas down. So I could watch anything and be like, oh, this is what's going to happen next. And even though Survivor was a reality show and I knew it was a reality show, I knew they were still editing it dramatically. So every single week I would predict, oh, this is what's going to happen next because the edit is not knowing anything about what a Survivor edit was. I was just thinking a dramatic edit means this is what's going to happen next and there's no way this person makes it. And I was always wrong. And it shocked me every week because I'm like, they're breaking the rules of dramatic editing, whether it's reality or not. You still will edit a show. You will portray a villain a certain way if you want it to, to end that way. This show a year later did the exact same thing to me. And the Alan twist is the perfect example because like you, I had no clue that this was coming. Just like the Tony thing later on, you have no clue that he's not, you know, the, the, the big traitor that they're leading him, uh, everybody believe he is. And you just get so used to formulas of TV shows for so long that when they do it, 
like this, they do it so well that it completely catches you off guard. You don't see it coming at all. It, now you can be surprised because it's so common, but they went so far in the opposite direction to say, we are not just going to throw your suspicion on Tony and then have it not end up being that way. We're going to do it so hardcore and we're going to play up on cliches, not just in telling a story. We're going to play up in cliches to fool the audience. And I feel like they do the exact same thing with Alan York. It's handled expertly. The only thing we picked up on in six weeks leading up to this was the thing with the cop where mm. he picked a fight with a cop and you said, oh, well, there's a reason why he was actually doing this. It comes across as dumb in the episode, but think about it. There's a reason. Nobody would expect that when watching this. Yeah. And then having the double reveal, I mean, yeah, I remember seeing that for the first time with uh, the, the who are you? And I really wanted to say Richard Berge right there. <laughs> but it was Berge, such a dramatic Richard moment. And I, I don't feel like this show has had anything up until now that was like a big plot twist like this. And there's going to be tons of this with 24 to come. Uh, but I always did remember that last scene with Terry as being the end of the episode, because to me, that was even stronger, even though the audience does know, because it's her reaction. And I don't think I expected her to find out so soon. You also are assuming at this point, they're going to draw the show out. I just got clued in on what the plot twist is. And a regular TV show is going to save something like this for the rest of the season. So you start to get impatient and think, oh, this is going to go on for the whole year. Hero season two gets a lot of, I, I feel like some fair criticism, but some unfair criticism because what they did was they set up plots that made people think, oh, this is going to be the entire season when they always intended to pay it off seven, eight episodes in. Uh, but because the season got cut short, people think, oh, it was just this long drawn out thing and you know, we didn't need this for an entire season. Uh, you're conditioned to thinking this is going to last an entire season. So this might be the first time I could think of, at least in network television, where they did surprise you and went against the trend and went against the formula of what television had done before. I didn't think about it that way. Uh, I have very bad memories of Heroes Season 2. I believe I stopped watching after about four or five episodes. So um, I can't really remember. Because <laughs> you got impatient thinking it was just going to be the whole thing for the same season. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting with the parallels to Survivor there. Like, I, I think, I mean, I will say, though, with like the Terry phone call at the end, like, yeah, we know this guy isn't Alan York. Uh, well, actually, let's rephrase that. We actually don't know that he's not Alan York. We just know that he's we, not Janet's father. Janet. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what we know. So this is the kind of the confirmation that we know he's not Alan York because we find out mm -hmm. that that body is Alan York. Um, and can we just say rip Alan York? Like poor accountant from the valley. You talk about innocent <laughs> people like Janet, innocent, like... This oh, even just, more innocent. This guy's just sitting at home on a on a whatever night. It would have been a Monday night, isn't it? Because we're on a Tuesday because it's Super Tuesday. Just, I don't know, having a drink, watching some Leno <laughs> or something like that. And then knock, knock, Thinking knock, his daughter's that? asleep in the next room. Yeah, exactly. Knock, knock, knock. Who's this? Oh, hello, Richard Berge. Alan York. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Alan York. <laughs> no, I'm this, Alan York. <laughs> I've got this image of like a Terminator, like, Alan York. Yes, I am. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Uh, you, Richard Berge is just driving around LA on a Monday night. Alan York, bang. <laughs> Alan York, bang. Um, uh, and just what I wanted to add one more thing on the, uh, the the Terry reveal at the end. In no way do I want this to be part of the episode. I mean, you can nitpick everything and say, oh, this doesn't make sense. I don't want to do that because this works dramatically. That's what this show's supposed to be. It's supposed to be entertaining. But if this were reality and she just got this bombshell, she knows at that moment, oh, this guy's not who he says he is. Wouldn't you be trying to get a code to Nina? What? I, I'm sorry, Nina. I, I can't talk right now. I'm here with 
Alan York, <laughs> a good friend of mine, an accountant, father of Janet. <laughs> Can you call me car. back when I'm no longer with Alan York, please? <laughs> I'm driving in this part of Hollywood in yeah. a car that's Alan York, my good friend. What is this type of car and what is your license plate number? Can you tell my equally good friend Nina? Would you like to meet her? I'll put you on speaker. Nina Myers, federal agent at the counter-terrorist unit. You're on the phone with my good friend, Alan York. Alan, Alan York, York, my good friend. Meet my other good friend and federal agent, Nina Myers. It's <laughs> <laughs> over the top. I mean, that would have solved a lot of problems yeah. for what's going to come later on. <laughs> Another reason why Terry's the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned before that uh, Howard Gordon wrote this episode. He's first writing credit for 24. Somebody, of course, yeah. is uh, very prominent on 24. Um, and apparently he said in the in the official companion guide, season one and season two, which can I just point out, time of recording this uh, and speaking to my father, he is uh, posting over all my 24 books. So I Ooh. will have, hopefully by the end of this season, or at least coming soon, uh, I have the I have the official guidebooks for season... It's season one and two is together and season three and four together. And then I also have like a some book that's called like the CTU reference book. Um, I didn't get him to send over... I actually have comics like because they released a prequel series to season one about the Drazen mm. mission, um, which we can talk about a little bit later on this season. Uh, so I've got all of them. And I di- also bought the 24 official magazine for a while and I've still got all of them. But... um. No, I will have the official guide soon, so I'll be able to read these without reading it on um, 24 Wiki. But uh, basically, Hal Gordon said that it was very engaging to write. He described the episode-long sequence of Kim and Rick burying Dan's body as very emblematic, thank you, Ben, of what the show was about. Very simple actions, but complicating them emotionally. In that time, while they are doing this physical action of burying a friend, she ends up convincing this guy to help her escape. You learn a little bit about them, and so, in a way, as they are digging and burying the friend, they are also digging deeper and finding out about each other. See, I had no idea they were talking. Like, I was completely (laughs) focused on something else, and I was discovering lots of things about Kim. Um, So, there you go. I'm glad I read that. Um... Also, uh, I love these errors and inconsistencies uh, where it says, according to cast (laughs) interviews, the helicopter ride was put in to preserve the real-time aspect of the show as there was no way to get from West LA to the valley in 10 minutes when driving. However, in the previous episode, Jack drove from Avenue 26, which was stated to be in North Hollywood, the same area as St. Mark's Hospital, to CTU in around six minutes. I love how, like, at some point the cast is like, oh, no, this is unbelievable. He couldn't get from West LA to the Valley in 10 minutes. Yet uh, we had Gaines get from the Mojave Desert to Los Angeles, a six-hour drive in, like, 15 minutes. That's okay. Um, And also on the trivia on IMDb, uh, Kiva Sutherland apparently spoiled the end of this episode when appearing on Jay Leno on November 12th, forgetfully gave away the entire ending of this episode. (laughs) So... Good on you, Keeper. Well, Probably drunk. Glad, glad <laughs> I wasn't watching Leno that night. No, exactly. Um, I have also noticed here. So on on Twenty Four Wiki, they have appearances, right? They tell you what actors, uh, what characters are in this. So you've got here Ben, first appearance. I'm like, who's Ben? Ben is the ben. brother that Jack Bauer tackles in the hospital. So he's got his own page on 24 <laughs> That's his Wiki. first appearance? He is coming back as the villain. Ben was the brother of Virgil, a patient at St. Mark- Mark's <laughs> Hospital. Ben tried to slip drugs in a black suitcase of Virgil, who was going through detox at St. Mark's Hospital. He was stopped by Claude Davenport of Hospital Security and Jack Bauer. Claude Davenport has his own page. Uh, <laughs> the, the one thing I'll say that he's in is, like, Lost is great to cover because on Lost Wiki... 
every single character, even if it's a Ben or a Claude Davenport, has a theories page to which Lost fans get into a massive debate about who these people are. <laughs> 24 Wiki, it's just literally, Claude Davenport was a head of security at St. Mark's Hospital during the events of day one. Uh, and then you've got, in the 2013 Indian version of 24, Claude's counterpart is Shind. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait till we get to Shind in the 24 Indian version. Uh, played by the esteemed Todd Jeffries, uh, Claude Davenport. So there you go. Uh, I don't think we've what got anything man. else. We've got no kills in this episode for Jack. I don't think we even had a damn it in this episode. We um, had one for Alan York. We had one for Alan York. We did. Um, so, yeah, I guess ratings. Um, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to jump in. I think it's a solid episode. It's it's not the greatest, but it does enough. Like, it goes by quickly. I've You know, I jokingly said, have we watched this more than once? I've watched this twice since we last did an episode, <laughs> and both times it goes by the same pace. It's entertaining, and, you know, you kind of mentioned it. Like, you've got maybe the first major, major, like, real shocking plot twist. And also the sherry stuff. We get some sherry, which is, oh, I love me some sherry. So, yeah, I'm going to buy this. I'm really torn. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to rank this higher than you because I'm debating whether I want to put this as my number one, believe it or not. Wow. Because uh, I don't think that anything doesn't work for me in this episode. Uh, I am going to put it number one just because I feel like as well as they handled the Keith reveal last week, as pointless as that story is, they handled that Keith reveal way better than I you know, remembered it. Uh, I feel like this is just so much better. You know, Janet's, Janet's death put me over the top. So I'm actually putting this as my number one right now. You know what, Colin Hilding, you might have sold me too. Because um, I'm literally <laughs> looking at my list here right now. And I'm like, last week I put that at number one. And again, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. But like, again, this is one of those things that the more I talked about it, the more I'm sold on it. Mm-hmm. And like I kind of started this episode like, oh, this is a solid episode, but then like talking through it and kind of going over it. So yeah, screw it. I'm going to put it at number one as well. I'm going to be <laughs> a, go. <laughs> I'm going to be a sheep and uh, copy Colin Hilding and put it at number one. So uh, but yeah, you go. We should just say, uh, at least I'm going to say, I don't think it's going to stay at number one for very long. <laughs> no, no, I I would uh, tend to agree with you there. Which on that note. Next week, uh, we move into episode 7, uh, 7 a, uh, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, we have lots going on in this episode, Colin, such as the following. Uh, oh, Jack shoots Nina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I just point that out? Like, is that enough of a tease? That's enough of a tease. That's all we need to say, is yep. it? Yeah, this is going to be the episode that I've been talking about for weeks. The 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 one where like, okay, I am one hundred percent on board with the show. I cannot miss anything else. Yeah. So 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 just I'll just leave it at that. Jack shoots Nina. That's all we need to say. Uh, so there and you go. And somehow the bullet ricochets and hits Janet's corpse. Yeah. <laughs> like every single episode. <laughs> Middle of the funeral. <laughs> we need to find out a way that somehow they continue to shit all over Janet. Basically, <laughs> that Chappelle scene. Janet's actually in it. Um, yeah. You know, nuclear bombs in future seasons. Janet's the bomb. Um, like she's trying to stop it. Um, Janet's a cougar. Yeah, Jan- Janet's a cougar. You know, she probably is now. She's probably old enough to be a cougar. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, like our show, you're going to hear all that at the end. We appreciate your support of 24. We're getting there. We're getting through it. And um, keep on watching. Awesome. Uh, my name is Ben. And. That's right, I'm watching you. And my name is Colin. Uh, you can catch me next week on episode 
seven of Palmer Drama. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.